If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all. As a reminder, this is part 11 of a multi-part series. Today, we have Sonia interviewing John. We have been considering the claims of skeptics that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, a standard endorsed by Jesus himself when he told us in John 1037, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Anyone making an extraordinary claim that he is sent by God with the only true way to eternal life must provide extraordinary evidence to back up such a claim. While some Christian apologists try to deny this standard, they seem to be confusing the method of obtaining evidence, which may be ordinary, such as eyewitness testimony, with the content of evidence which does need to be extraordinary. The content of the evidence Jesus presented to prove his claims, which is his fulfillment of ancient prophecies, working of amazing miracles, and his resurrection from the dead is certainly extraordinary. But others, such as Muhammad, the founder of Islam, and Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, also made the extraordinary claim to have been sent by God with the only true way to eternal life. Yet all each of them could claim was that angel appeared to him privately and gave him the message to pass on to people. There were no eyewitnesses to corroborate these appearances, no way to assess whether these angels were in fact who he claimed to be. That does not qualify as extraordinary evidence. Furthermore, neither of them beat death themselves. Both died and remained dead. Jesus is, in fact, the only one who ever made the extraordinary claim that he is the one sent by God. With the one and only true way to eternal life who gave the extraordinary evidence to prove his claims. Then, we began turning to this claim to the ones who reject Christianity on the basis and asked whether what they believe consists of extraordinary claims and whether they have seen extraordinary evidence that proves these claims. For example, if one rejects God, then he must believe that the universe has been here forever or it came into existence from nothing. That all material of which the entire universe is made of was once a singularity smaller than the head of a pen. That a random expansion of this gave rise to incredible order we see throughout the universe. That most of the matter and energy in the universe is dark. It cannot be seen or interacted with, but we are to believe it's there. That simple chemicals randomly arrange themselves into extremely complex proteins and DNA and RNA needed for life. These are extraordinary claims, but they have no proof to support them. Now we continue our discussion. Properly with science, when this is the case, you, you need to throw out the theory. Uh, but they're not going to throw out the theory. They made the epicycle. They created the idea of dark matter and dark energy. Uh, the universe is actually 10 times heavier than everything we see. There's a whole bunch of matter out there. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't interact with it. There's no way to observe it. There's no way to experiment on it which means it's not science at all, folks, but it's there. So, so we're supposed to believe in some invisible stuff, so that that's certainly extraordinary. Yes, that's an extraordinary 
uh, belief. And where's your external evidence for that? Well, our model doesn't work if we don't have that there. Sorry, that's not external evidence. Then we're supposed to be at some point with when this this singularity expanded and you have tiny little subatomic particles flying away at, at, at massive speeds, randomly in all direction, somehow they all coalesce together to give us stars and planets. And not just coalesce together, but instead of continuing flying outward forever, something changed their momentum and turned them into nice orbital systems. How did that happen? That's an extraordinary claim. Where's your extraordinary evidence for it? The circular motion is interesting that at least one planet in our in our solar system rotates in the opposite direction from the others. How did that happen? That's an extraordinary belief. Where's your extraordinary evidence to explain it? Maybe God did that on purpose just to make their view even more impossible. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Then uh, you, you have Earth and you have simple chemicals here and there. You've got some... Water, you've got oxygen, nitrogen, ammonia. Somehow these simple chemicals joined up to form massive organic molecules. Proteins, for example. Uh, there's protein molecules that, that are made of amino acids. Amino acids are made of these simple chemicals. Somehow this all happened. All the amino acids stuck together in exactly the right order to make proteins, some of which are like 30,000 amino acids long. They all just happened to, to come together. Nobody made it happen. It just did. That's an extraordinary claim. Where's your extraordinary evidence for that claim? You don't have any. Second law of thermodynamics makes it absolutely impossible. All natural processes move from order to disorder, not the other way around. You cannot generate by natural processes the proteins needed to have a cell at all. And I say, well, you have the it, yeah, it, um, never mind it's an open system or whatever. They, they try to give you some excuses. But again, how come after literally thousands upon thousands of attempts to make this happen in the lab, you've never been able to do it? Well, well is the lab an open system? Oh, they can do They do it under any possible circumstances they want. They can do it open. They can do it closed. They can add in electricity, they, like whatever. They can take out oxygen, put in oxygen, whatever. And they still can't make it happen. Wasn't there some um, was Yuri Miller experiment where they uh, claimed to have brought something to life? There, there is, but they didn't bring anything to life. The Yuri Miller experiment done back in the 1953, I believe, through gentlemen Harold Yuri and Stanley Miller, they tried to recreate in... in in a glass jar, basically, the what they thought would be the atmosphere of the early Earth. It, it wasn't actually. Now we know from studying the, the uh, mineral deposits and so on, what happened to the oxides uh, in, in the earlier layers, that the, uh, the atmosphere, the rich atmosphere, was actually the opposite of what Miller and Urey were using. But, but let's assume that. They took this, this glass ball and they put in some hydrogen gas and some ammonia and, and a few other simple... Uh, gases, and then they sparked it, a little electric spark, and lo and behold, you got some simple amino acids forming. Now, these amino acids broke down immediately. They didn't stay. They broke down immediately, so they had to put a cold trap into the system 
to to cool these things down right away and remove them before they broke down. So you got a few amino acids, but amino acids are are simple. Rather, they're very simple chemicals, and and the joining to form these are a result of of the natural like electrochemical structures of the atoms. It's like for example, you get water in in nature. Uh, hydrogen and oxygen tend to join together because each of them wants to share that outer electron that makes them more stable. Uh, but if you have hydrogen gas and oxygen gas together, they won't join up spontaneously. But you put a little spark in there, and yeah, you get a nice big explosion, and after you get a whole bunch of water. So that's one of two driving forces in natural reactions, is the drive to get a lower energy state and the drive to get higher disorder. The higher disorder is a more powerful drive. So you can get simple chemicals like hydrogen and oxygen forming water in nature. Even some simple amino acids if you spark it and give it some activation energy. But nothing more complex than that. And so this is why all along they, they've been trying to create something more complex in the lab. You know, like a Yuri Miller type of setup and other setups trying to get the more complex ones. They can't do it. It never happens. So where's the extraordinary evidence for something like this to happen? They don't have it. And yet they believe against the second law of thermodynamics that it, it yeah, it did happen. And even if you could get the these proteins, enough protein molecules forming by random chance to give you a cell, how does it come together? To form a cell. You have no idea how complex a cell is. Uh, if you imagine like the entire city of Los Angeles as an automated factory, never mind the, the dwellings and so on, stores, it's the whole city of Los Angeles is an entire automated factory, and then you shrink it so small you can't see it, that's still not as complex as one cell. So against the second law of thermodynamics, how does this form? Extraordinary claim with no extraordinary evidence to back it up. And even if you could form a cell like that, how does it come to life? How does non-living matter come to life? Well, we already know from the law of biogenesis that doesn't happen. That's real real science. That's, these are extraordinary beliefs that people have. Uh, new genetic information. You have uh, going from an amoeba up to a gorilla, all this extra genetic coding, where does it come from? Where, where does it come from? It's like they go, oh, I have a computer program, and I'm going to randomly erase some couple of lines, and I'm going to randomly toss in some letters, and my co computer code is going to work much better now. Extraordinary claims with no commensurate evidence. So people need to stop believing this. They need to be fair about this and apply that standard that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. They need to apply it to their own worldviews not just ours, and they're going to find when they do that that their worldview doesn't stand up. Ours does. Yes, ours does, because um, having someone rise from the dead obviously breaks scientific laws too, but as soon as you believe in God, God created all the scientific laws, of course he can, um, he, he, he can suspend them. Yes, you don't have to assume there's a God. You just have to be open to the possibility, and there's no reason not to be. Then Nobody's ever given any proof, let alone extraordinary proof, that God doesn't exist. 
So you simply have to be open to both possibilities and then see where the evidence leads. It's, it's not so much that uh, if there's a God, he could raise somebody from the dead. That's, that's a fact. But if somebody comes back from the dead in violation of all natural laws, then that's going to lead you to the fact that there must be a God. So if we're turning uh, the extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence back on the person challenging us, what about somebody who just has a theistic worldview, just believes there's, there's God, but he's not involved in our lives? Do they have, um, have they made any extraordinary claims? There's a, uh, there's a worldview called deism, which is basically what you've described. The idea that there must be a God, and, and this was in vogue before Darwin, because without any seemingly plausible explanation for for life and, and the world without God, they had to admit there is a God. But they embraced deism, which basically said, yep, there's a God, God created the world, God created us, and then he left town. He's got nothing more to do with us, we don't have to worry about him. We, we can live functionally as atheists. Uh, so, so there is that. But then the, the problem is, if you, once you admit there's a God, what if that God does want something from you? What if there is an eternal life? What if you don't just die and become worm food? What if there is an eternal life that lasts a thousand times longer than when you have here, 10,000 times longer, a million times longer, never ends? And this God is saying, you know what? There's a good house for you to live in, and there's a bad house. And I'm offering you the good house free. But if you don't accept my free gift, you're going to the bad house. And that's where you're going to live forever. Wouldn't you, once you admit there has to be a God, and you realize that they're these claimants, and they're saying things like this, wouldn't it be wise to actually check them out and see if any of them is telling the truth? And that's when we come to the issue of which one offers extraordinary evidence. And then that, that would only be Jesus. Yep. Well, uh, this was an important topic, and thank you for clearing up uh, the confusion between the method of the evidence and the contents of the evidence. And I think every Christian has to agree that the contents of our evidence is certainly extraordinary. Yep. Thank you for joining us, Sonia. It's been an interesting discussion, and we'll talk to you again next time on another topic. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.